Hey Pride fam, get ready for another episode of Pride the Podcast. Featuring special guest, actor-singer Kevin McHale. And it was like, Ariana put out a song. And I was like, well, this shit is gay and so am I. <laughs> and editor-in-chief of the AV Club, Patrick Gomez. So grab you a hump day treat and take a little time to hang with Pride. Hello. Hello. And welcome back to another special episode of Pride, Pride the, the Podcast. Podcast. Brought to you. <laughs> <laughs> brought to you by our friends at Rehab Entertainment. I'm Adam Andrew Rios. I'm Mr. Braden Bradley. I'm Darrell Anthony. And I'm Ashley Mitchell. And we have a very exciting guest coming up for you, actor Kevin McHale and editor-in-chief of the AV Club, Patrick Gomez. And we want to thank our sponsors at Voyage Family Cellar for sending us this beautiful bottle of Cabernet Sauvignon. 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 (laughs) From the Napa Valley. (laughs) It tastes even more beautiful than the bottle. It really does. I thank them so much for sending us that and being a part of the Pride the Podcast family. Also, it's a special box wine poppy's birthday. We'll be right back after... (laughs) That was a weak-ass... Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. on. Sound, baby. Get okay. the sound. Get the sound, baby. Get, Get the, the sound. sound. Happy birthday, Adam. You don't look a day over 50. Okay. 60. 65 <laughs> years old. <laughs> I feel it after this weekend. What did you celebrate? Did you we celebrated I mean, our, how did our you birthday. Celebrate? <laughs> my birthday. No, he might still time. be a little drunk. <laughs> in the Catskills. Uh, what? Well, Catskills adjacent in Hurleyville, New York. It's like right outside Monticello. And we celebrated in this beautiful cabin. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Michael, mm-hmm. at Airbnb. What skills did you learn in the cat skills? <laughs> um, that I can't really float, but <laughs> I can. It's we scary. all float down here. Like I, I was floating I, all weekend. I just have to sit here. Your heart stopped a couple times. Um, uh, a few times, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but it was great. It was wonderful. I had all my closest friends there. We just got to sit by the fire and grill and swim, and that's all I and said I wanted to do. Until I almost vomited. We laughed I laughed from so laughing so, hard. so fucking hard. Every time I was awake, I was laughing. <laughs> yeah, even was, when we were asleep, we were still just, giggling. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did not sleep that much, but uh, when no, I did, I think great. I got like eight hours over a three-day period. Yeah. Wow. Ooh. Maybe we, not. Maybe it was like ten to twelve. We ate. Really well. We, we did. Really well. Oh, y'all did? <laughs> did you not eat, Brady? I'm on she a didn't. diet. Um, That's a lie. Let me tell you she my was favorite on a thing. Diet. The breakfasts that we had were <laughs> so good. Breakfast to church. <laughs> they were so good. Mm-hmm. Listen, Thank you, Charles. the sausages, mm-hmm. the bacon, like each meal was so different and so good. It was great. My favorite part, mm-hmm. though, was that lake that we swim in. And yeah. it was yeah. a private lake. I was going to say it was our personal little lake. Because we fancy. We waited in the water. It was really nice. We waited in the water. Wait in the water, children. Wait in the water. God's gonna trouble the water. 
Wow, my friends are so talented. Uh, okay. You know. Well, my voice is still a little. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if anything was off key, just sing it. I tell I, you, Broadway said... was not dark this past weekend. I tell you what. <laughs> I tell you what. I tell you what. I'm gonna say it again. I tell you what. We sang so many Broadway tunes. So, so many much. songs. If a casting director was there, we all would have been cast. But see, that's well, what I was gonna say. Well. I was surprised. Minus some folks. No, a, no, no. I was honestly very surprised we didn't like on Saturday morning. Or was it Uh-oh. Saturday? Yeah, Saturday Girl, morning. I don't know. And everything's Sunday, blurry. Together, everything's a blur. He didn't come and was like, "Hey guys, yes, you gotta great, go." But. It's just a little too loud. This is like, but no, we were, we were very loud, but we never got any. I would have loved for him to have came and partied with us. He probably would have had a really good time. I thought about offering him like a plate of food, which we should have fucking done. We should have. Hey, hey, we made a shit ton of food, but in the rule book, it was like, please don't come to our property. (laughs) (laughs) Please don't. When we got there, he was like, "Hello, stay six feet away." He did, which I respected, and I and I. I was like, "Sir, we already have, so it's great you stay over there." Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Sorry, what? Well, no, I was gonna say I was. I came out of the bathroom, and I don't remember who it was. Lindsay or somebody was like, um, <laughs> "There's some white guy outside. I, I don't know what's going on." I was like, "Oh shit!" It's Brandon. And I was like, "Oh no!" Or it was Charles. I don't know, but I was like, "Oh, that's just Michael." And then I walked out, and y'all were like, "All right, thank you, bye." Yeah. So I was like, "Oh no, what happened?" No, nothing. He, was, he said he was, he was very, very nice. He was just like, "Enjoy." Yeah. I mean, we got to we like did. sing, like Brandon was saying. We did so much singing, so many musicals. I literally felt like we were a bunch of kids in Glee, which is coincidental. <laughs> coming up, we're gonna be talking to someone who starred in Glee as Artie, who he was a fantastic singer. He was amazing. Well, those day. sirens are coming after you. Well, you know what? They might after yeah, this if weekend. You can hear that. That's just <laughs> that's just New York, New baby. York. Get into it. But we are so excited to talk to Kevin McHale next. He is fantastic, and I cannot wait to hear what he says about his times on Glee. And then right after that, we'll talk to Patrick. Gomez, the editor in chief of the AV Club. And we'll be right back. Bye. Hello and welcome back with one of the best guests that we have had to date, Mr. (laughs) Actor Kevin McHale. Hi. (laughs) How are you? Tell us everything. I'm doing pretty well. Uh, it's a billion degrees in LA, so. I was gonna ask. You're in LA, okay? It's hot. It's oh, hot here too. It's hot here too, but it's a it, different heat. But do you have a pool you can at least get in? No. Oh. But it is a good excuse. During quarantine, my roommate and I have like built an outdoor gym in a part of my house. Okay. But like you know, like an IKEA Amazon gym, so like it could <laughs> fall apart at any second. Right. But it gives me a good excuse to continue not working out. Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Not, yeah. We were hot. talking earlier, the gyms here in New York are going to open next week or something. Is it? Yeah. Started August already. 24th. 24th. That's oh, okay. Right. So you already know. And I was like, no, no, no. No, I need more excuses. Just, <laughs> one more week of the pandemic. Yeah, but you have to but like book really. an appointment and everything. And like mom, some of the gyms in New Jersey are open and they're like, you got 30 minutes. Like you have to set an appointment. Like so, by the time you get in there, that's weird. You got really minutes. twenty-five minutes. No, you get everybody at least an hour. You yeah. still have the pandemic as an excuse. 
Like, right. still, I still don't feel comfortable, and like that's fully reasonable. Okay, so yeah. can, I, can I use your advice <laughs> as an excuse as to where I'm gonna come and say, Kevin McHale said, I have a, he said, I, have I shouldn't go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm such a hypochondriac that all my friends call me Dr. McHale anyway because I pretend to know about a lot of things. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Lovely. Hey. If the president can do it, then why can't everyone? How do you feel about hydrodroxychloroquine? <laughs> it's great for lupus. It's great for certain things. It's not for COVID. Okay. Yeah, got okay. It, got it. Okay, Thank cool. you, doctor. You're welcome. <laughs> Next so, Kevin, question. I don't... <laughs> so, Kevin, I don't know if you know this, but we are all from Texas as well. Yes. Uh, Texas in the house. We always seem to find each other. I, I don't know. know how we do. Because we're, we're everywhere. We're we are. everywhere. We're, we're everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So I'm curious, how was it like for you growing up in a red state, being a gay man? Like, what was your experience like? Because we all have our stories. Mm -hmm. I was actually just reflecting on this because Perfect. I, <laughs> in preparation for this, no. Um, <laughs> I don't think I was really aware that I was growing up in a red state. My family is from, my mom's from Long Island, New York. My dad's from Connecticut. All my siblings were born in Connecticut. My whole family is very liberal. And we, I grew up in that bubble. Mm -hmm. And when you're a kid, I think back like in the 90s, maybe it was just like my friends, but like we weren't talking about political issues. I wasn't aware of what being a liberal or being a conservative was. Um, and the whole gayness of it all was just like I was just trying to play doctor with all my friends <laughs> and get them to drink hydrochloric <laughs> yeah I was like I'm gonna be the doctor um I moved away when I was 15 to LA but I I think the only I think the only part that I felt in my soul that was like oh maybe this isn't the best place for me was I started coming out to LA for acting when I was 13, 14, and just felt it wasn't even, I don't think there was a direct correlation consciously of maybe my sexuality. It was more about what was I interested in? I was interested in the arts and performance and just being creative. And that was so overly, I was welcomed with open arms in LA and everything I wanted to do or cared about was here. And I literally, we drove to, California and then we drove back and I remember seeing Dallas in the skyline and started to cry as like a 14 year old boy I was like I shouldn't be crying but I couldn't help it because some part of me felt like those are my people that I've now left behind in LA yeah. and I don't think it was until I was much older that I realized because I wasn't treated differently I wasn't I sure I had literally one kid in middle school maybe say it was like you're gay you do singing and acting i was like okay <laughs> uh, try harder you're like <laughs> like I, that's not even a good so i i don't think i was lucky in that sense either i was just naive and ignorant and didn't see it and maybe kids were saying stuff right. um but whatever it was it wasn't it wasn't until i moved away that i could look back and then see how kids i grew up with like i didn't even realize some of the kids i grew up with had an accent 
Like, right, yeah, that's so true. right. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, I don't know what mm-hmm. happened. I didn't know a... I had one <laughs> until, until I moved away. And then going back home now after living from not being there for so long, you hear it and you're like, ooh, that was strong <laughs> yeah. accent. But it's also those things too. It's like I moved when I was 15 and then I like became Facebook friends with kids I grew up with. And then kids start getting cars and it's like, oh, you got like a huge pickup truck and you moved out to, like, I for, I just didn't put all of these things together that I was living in the South. Yeah. yeah. And especially until you move away, it's like, well, the type of food I like, I guess is Southern. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <And> so, <Yeah. laughs> it, it took other people like mirroring that back to me being like, well, you, oh, you like that and you like this. But like the sexuality of it all was never an issue because I was in LA when those feelings and attractions were really starting to like come up and show them, rear their head. (laughs) So where in Texas did you grow up? Or like, yeah, where did you grow up? I grew up in Plano, Plano, which is just outside of Dallas. For those who don't know. Right there, yeah. Um, And that's like two-ish hours from from us. Yeah. We grew up in the swamps. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't in no swamp. I don't know what she thought about. I was. <laughs> she oh, was swamp baby. Swamp monster. I'm like from a place called uh, Fairfield, Texas, like right by Oakwood. I say Fairfield because people know that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Brady's from Longview. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I know Longview. You yeah. do. San Antonio. Yes, San Antonio here. Yeah. And then I'm from Lubbock. White face. Lubbock. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, when did you? Texas Tech. <laughs> yeah. When you left um, Texas, when did you did you meet Demi in Texas? Demi Lovato yeah. in Texas. Okay. Yes. Oh, okay. And how did you guys meet? We went to the same singing teacher. I met her. I think when she was like nine. Um, oh, wow. I think it was like was I maybe thirteen or something. Okay. Um, I don't know how old she is. I don't know how old I am. Uh, <laughs> where am i i don't know <laughs> yeah yeah so i grew up with her it was like hunter Parrish, who's an actor he yeah. was in there yeah. ashley simpson and ryan cabrera it was this whole Braden bradley Jarelli. Yeah, yeah. 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 we were all there <laughs> yeah. it was just like a really weird thing that we all became and like demi was like oh she's nine she has glasses and like a gap tooth and like is playing this like super nerdy girl on Barney, yeah. but it was this thing where you could be like, yeah. no, sing for real now. And then she would just like switch mm-hmm. and be like, oh, okay, Celine Dion. Right. <laughs> right. But you're okay, a freak hello. of nature. That's you're- like, there was Demi and then there was everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you moved to LA. Is that where you got the news that you were going to join this new show called Glee? Well, yeah, I, I moved to LA and I was 15. 15, almost 16. I went to high school. I was in a boy band. Like I had my life out here going on auditions. And then I auditioned for Glee the summer I graduated high school. Or no, it was, it was the year after. Sorry, it was the year after. And yeah, just a normal audition. And, and where's just a normal on okay just normal, <laughs> just normal well you know i you go on hundreds or thousands of auditions don't ever get anywhere i was used to that i was like well this is another thing i will not book and <laughs> i'll be sad yeah. about it because this one's actually good but whatever yeah. right <laughs> used to that used to the rejection yeah and for some reason i tricked them 
And <laughs> <laughs> so, so when you got the news that you were joining the cast of Glee, where were you? And what do you remember feeling in that moment? Like what, what were you just like doing? Oh, <laughs> I, so we, I had four auditions for the show and the last audition I was just, I have terrible, terrible nerves. And I had, I don't know if he was my boyfriend yet. He was not my boyfriend yet, but I was obsessed with him. He ended up becoming my boyfriend. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wore I him down. I hope that works for me at some point. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Same. He didn't know. He, we were young. We were figuring out our sexuality. And he was, he's from Brazil and had, it's a whole lot of other type of homophobia there. So yeah. anyway. He was my best friend, his family. They were all my best friends away from Texas. Like they were my adoptive sort of family. And I had his mom drive me to my final test for Glee. And he came with. And afterwards, she drove us to this like Italian restaurant. She used to um, be a host at in Beverly Hills when she first moved to LA from Brazil. And so regardless, like, let's just go eat, like relax. Because what happens when you test for a show, you test against somebody mm -hmm. and they have to tell the other person that didn't get it first that they didn't get it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when I tested, I tested with Chris Colfer, I tested with, and Jenna Ushkowitz. So there were three roles. So they were going to have to call a bunch of people basically. So, and I had never tested for a show. I didn't know how that worked. And I was in this restaurant called Il Fornio and we were eating and then my manager called me it was a whole afternoon of like, I was in a group text with my sister and my manager because we're all sort of like one big family and talking just shit about myself. Can I cuss? Um, yeah, absolutely. Being like, oh, I'm not going to get it. The guy who I'm testing against is from Spring Awakening. They've already hired Leah from Spring Awakening. Like, mm -hmm. this just makes sense. I have never done theater. These people are professionals. I'm not getting it. I had a good run. Great. Good job, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> what's also really shitty about testing for a show if you don't know is that you negotiate the contract everything before mm -hmm. so you know potentially how much money you are not getting if you don't <laughs> oh, <laughs> so yeah, it's very true and it's not good <laughs> it's not good and i was broke as shit like literally couldn't pay i lived in santa clarita which is like 30 minutes north of la mm -hmm. uh, and would budget out like my gas for auditions. Cause I was like, should I go on this audition? I, I'm gonna have to fill up to go on it. Yeah. Like, that's, that's where I was. <laughs> and so <laughs> like, I had never seen that much money in my life. And I was like, uh, so you just hope that you get it. That question with the prunes. <laughs> 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 so they called me my manager called me i was sitting at el Fernio, and i was like kevin like you got it and i just like collapsed on the table oh, wow. i looked at um my friend and his mom's like i got it and they they started screaming in this restaurant and beverly hills where everyone's so stuck up and everyone's like what <laughs> and she's like we did it <laughs> and i actually i remembered this actually um like over the weekend, I woke up with this memory and how I was so excited and I knew I would at least, you know, have one episode of a show for this pilot. And my friend and his brother had been wanting like the Aerosmith version of Guitar Hero. 
And so I was like, let's go to Best Buy before we go home. And I'm getting you guys Guitar Hero. Like that was, that was like the big purchase. Like you brought me on the audition and I got it. So your good juju works and we're going to play guitar. I was desperate. I that's was no, so that's sweet. so okay. sweet. You immediately gave back. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah. I mean, so Kevin, obviously Glee was a very groundbreaking show. Um, you know, two things I want to ask you is, number one, what was your favorite memory of Glee? And also, I do have to say, I know that you and the cast suffered a major loss recently with Naya mm-hmm. Rivera. So, you know, I want to also ask what your favorite memory of Naya was. Ooh. Um, I mean, my favorite memory of the show was probably our second tour, actually. I mean, it's like the first two years, it's like the friendships we all built. I don't know if there's one instance, but the friendships we all built were obviously our favorite thing. I think that you could see that in the show. Um, But my favorite memory was probably the second tour. It wasn't everybody's favorite memory. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I loved it. Touring was my favorite thing. I was like, when, ooh. That might have been. Everybody's fine. That might have been a bottle of whiskey. I don't know. It literally fell into our hands. I don't know what happened. When the subway goes underneath our apartment, (laughs) I'm not not kidding. I'm not kidding. It It shakes up. It rearranges the foundation a little bit. (laughs) And things Mm -hmm. happen. Sorry. Anyway. Anyway. As long as the bottle of alcohol is fine. Oh, it's fine. It's good. good. Um, Tour was tour was good. It was really hard. We shot from the show from July to May, had three days off, and then put together a full two-hour arena show in like three days, and then went on tour for six weeks. So everyone was a little tired. Um, You know, like I said about when you negotiate your contract for the pilot, um, within that, when we were all desperate for a job, you also, we negotiated for a tour that we didn't think we'd ever be taking. So <laughs> it wasn't the best financial deal. Yeah. Um, and so that's where a lot of the people were not really happy to be on the tour because we w- were doing this thing that wasn't, um, the tour made $44 million. We did not. <laughs> right, okay. right, right, right. 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 Um, but I was sort of of the mind of, well, we're here. We're, go- we're gonna do it. And like, we get these 20,000 people and I want to say kids, but it wasn't. It was like the widest demographic that you could possibly imagine. Like it was like one sort of big, like super queer party. And like parents and kids, kids who could never come out to their parents and they were all there together. And it was whatever the show represented, seeing like we were locked away on Paramount stages filming for 10 months and you don't, and the show was blowing up and we're seeing it in articles, but you don't feel that. And being on tour, we, when we got to go to Canada and to Ireland and to England, and you're seeing these kids and families like have the time of their lives. It was a super, super gratifying experience where beyond like the money and like, oh, I got a job, that extra bonus of what the show meant to people and being face to face with that, was obviously like not quantifiable in terms of money. And I was like, we have now sold out the O2 Arena in London seven shows in a row. And it's like, I know you guys want to go home and see your families. However, like we're never going to get to do this again. 
Like, yeah. like, like sure, Amber should be like selling out the O2. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like seven Amber times in a row. But like, so what good. is the likelihood that anybody gets to have this magic again? And right. Right. it's like, we're so, here, let's make most of it, and this is our game. That's a exactly. It's like, we may be getting screwed over a little bit, but yeah. these 20,000 people now have to listen to me sing and speak for the next two hours. So whatever, this is my show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, favorite memory of Naya? Um, that's very hard. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot. Like like Amber, she was the one who's like, you should just be selling out uh-huh. arenas left and right. But I, I do, the first day I met her on set. So my dad worked as a car salesman in Santa Clarita, where I lived. And she was from Santa Clarita. And I had booked Glee. We hadn't filmed the pilot yet. It was that weird couple weeks in between. And he comes home one day, he's like, so I met this girl named Naya Rivera. There were, she was looking at a, a G-Wagon that she couldn't afford yet. And he's like, but I met her and her mom and they were super nice. And they said that she had just booked a role on the show called Glee. And I told them that you did too. So like, if you see her on set, like look out for her, they were so nice. And, and he was like, and I don't know if she's a regular, but like, you know, just like, look out for her. Like right. little did I know, it was like, well, she's been working since she came out of the womb and she right. was looking after me. And I saw her um, one day, like, I think we might've been in Long Beach at the high school that we filmed at. And I went up to her, I was like, hey, we're eating lunch, it was our lunch break. And I was like, I think you met my dad. It's like high school all over, like super right. awkward and uncomfortable. And luckily, like on social media, since all this horribleness happened, you've seen like testimon testimonial after testimonial of all these stories about how wonderful and funny and how engaging she was. Mm -hmm. And this was that, I mean, she, I mean, at the time it was maybe 21 or 22 and 21. And we sat down just the two of us and had lunch. And it was like this instant thing of us going back and forth of like, oh, you're my people. Yeah. yeah, and like, like laughing till your sides hurt immediately. And I had never met her before, and we were both sort of like, "What are we doing? This show is crazy. <laughs> it's a musical," and we sort of like bonded over our musical tastes because I grew up around. <laughs> when I was in the boy band, we were managed by the same managers as B2K, and so like I grew up, I grew up around like, obsessed with B2K, like B2K <laughs> and like IMX. And like she was in a B2K music video. And so uh -huh. like, we had this like really, like that part of my life that she and I sort of like weirdly intersected. And we just bonded over our taste in like that and music and her humor. You know, like everybody has that hopefully where you meet someone and instantly you're like, okay, well you're stuck with me now. Yeah. That was that, was that moment and luckily it was reciprocated. <laughs> I love that. That makes me think of like college. When yeah. I was, like, in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, uh, shifting gears really quick. I know uh, you worked a lot, you know, here and there, but one of my favorite appearances you made was in The Office. <laughs> <laughs> Same. We, we love The Office. Like, <laughs> mm. 
Like literally every day it's on the TV. It Either is. it's on Netflix or it's on Comedy Central. Yeah, it's so good. It's, it's just so, so good. good. And the funny thing is my friend just gave me this for my birthday today, which are a Shrewd Buck <laughs> and a Stanley Nickel. <laughs> oh, that is so good. <laughs> but my question is, is like, how was it like on that set? Like with all those powerhouse comedians? <laughs> Terrifying. Oh, oh my God. God. Terrifying. They were so nice. When I tell you how, like, also <laughs> going from like working on that for a week and then going into Glee, we were doing like music videos and a billion things. That show was the setup. Like that show is how you should want to work if you're lucky enough to work. Like it was, they had one stage in like the middle of the valley, <laughs> like not on like a studio like their own thing away from everybody yeah yeah and it's just them and they were all so nice and just so grateful and welcoming and here i was this like 17 year old kid when they were all grown-ass adults right <laughs> and i think they knew that and it was like them taking me in and sitting with me at lunch because i was very much like i'm gonna sit by myself in my own business and them just all of them Thank engaging you. with me the entire time and talking to me the entire time. And like whenever I've seen any of them since, like when I got Glee and I would see Mindy Kaling at events and everything, she would just be so nice to me yeah. and like so happy for me. And that's how they all were. It was, there was not one person who didn't go out of their way. And then having then been a regular on a TV show after that, I see how it does, it's not hard to be nice, but when you are working long hours and you're used to the same days, or yeah. like you do need to make a conscious effort of like, let's help this new person, right. yeah, yeah. you know, acclimate to being on this set because this can be intimidating, especially mm -hmm. by that show it was on its fourth season and was super successful. Yeah. And they right. all really made me feel welcomed and it was an incredible learning experience and... I mean, my callback for that, Steve Carell, I didn't know he was going to be in the audition. And like, we're all waiting like in a stairwell to like be brought in. We're like, oh, we're just waiting on Steve. I was like, nah, I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want the job, I'll go. <laughs> um, and so like, we're getting it. And, and then he like, he laughed in the audition. I was like, I don't need the job. I made him laugh, I'm cool. Right. Oh, that's They were great. Yeah, and I can't say enough nice things about them. Like they've all, they've all been so nice afterwards, which is a true testament to like, when you're on a show that long and you have people coming in and out and they somehow remember me and are still that nice, like that is genuine, that those are genuine people. Right. Right. I always felt like Mindy Kaling and I were like meant to be friends. Kindred spirits. Yeah, like <laughs> I love her books, like her shows are hilarious. Mm -hmm. like, I feel like her and I would just click. You would. Like she's oh. like you would because like it's also one of those things too, like you know what you're getting. Like what you see, right. like what because I met her I mean, I didn't spend that much time with her, so I can't attest to like really knowing her. <laughs> but like the week that I spent a, a couple minutes with her here and there, like what you see is what you get. Like her yeah. social media and all that seems to really translate into how she is in real life, from what I can tell, which is nice. Yeah, That's so lovely. I love that.
Well, Kevin, going over, you know, there's obviously been a lot of injustice as of late uh, from racism, homophobia, transphobia. When you came out in 2018 publicly, what made you come to the decision that right then was the right time? Um, <laughs> I wish it was thought out a little more. <laughs> I think it had gotten to the point in my life where I hadn't really been let's say not out to my friends and family, but was that like three years ago? When was it? Um, two years ago? Two years. It feels like a lifetime ago. Because, because 2020 like is like... The world has burned down since then. Um, yeah, so I, I think in the probably nine years or so leading up to that, I had just fully was living my life as like a gay man. And yeah. it was never... Mm -hmm thinking about it now. And it's easy to sort of discount or forget what it was like before that, mm -hmm. where it totally was about keeping it a secret. And because I came from music, I was like, oh, well, this is just going to be how it is where I'm not going to ever tell anyone. And that's fine. And you convince yourself that that's cool. You convince yourself that that can be the secrecy can be fun or whatever. But then at some point where I eventually did convince that Brazilian to be with me, and <laughs> with a knife on his throat yes it's like you will love me um, <laughs> we had been together for so long that we were sort of like the old married couple amongst all of our friend group sure. and i just stopped stopped thinking about it like it wasn't ever a thing of like oh i need to come out and it i don't know if you guys are familiar with that actor connor jessup yeah he mm -hmm. he wrote a really like beautiful post when he came out. I think maybe it was last summer. And it sort of summed up eloquently all the things that I'm not smart enough to be able to verbalize. <laughs> where you do this, I did this thing where I was like, well, why do I need to say something publicly? Like who will care? Who am I to think that people will care? Like I'm taking air away from anything else. Like. That's giving me my self-importance. Like, I don't, I'm so self-deprecating also that I'm just like, who gives a shit what I'm doing with whoever? I'm just going to live my life. But I think what happened was I, so my boyfriend and I, we'd been together for seven something years, had broken up. I was with somebody new and it was sort of this thing of like, do you feel comfortable like with him, because my ex-boyfriend, because he was Brazilian and he hadn't even told his dad that he, like, yeah, I was like, okay, like, yeah, you know, right. like I am so close. Your family is my family and vice versa. Like that was a point. It started to get to where I was like, I, I'm a little over this. And yeah, then right. when I got with somebody new, I was sort of like, do you care if I, I'm to the point where like, I just want to be me. Like I, talk super openly there's zero filter all the time and it felt weird for me to like not be displaying that all the time on social media or whatever it may be because that's just how i am and he was like i don't give a fuck i was like cool like game on and it was like ariana put out a song and i was like well this shit is gay and so am i <laughs> like honestly i did it to make my friend amy is a huge ariana fan and she and i were like counting down the minutes to her new song and then it came out and it was honestly, it was a text I sent her. I was like, oh, that's funny. I'm going to tweet that. And that was it. That was as much thought that as, a, you know, there was no thought, no premeditation into it. And then I had friends texting me like, did you pay for a publicist for this? 
I was like, bitch, what? <laughs> no. I was texting Amy this like stupid joke, and then I don't know, it's in the news because people are bored. Uh, <laughs> but it moral of the story is um representation matters and yes. I think since that point, I think I've having people talk to me, strangers DM me, running into people. I've had random people come up to me like at the mall and like thank me. And I know it's not about me. I know it's just, it's that the more people who are visible living as themselves, the better for everybody else. Mm-hmm. And Amen. so yeah. it's, and I think my timidness, oh my God, timidness before that about like, who cares if I'm saying this, it's not about that. It's that progress is slow. It's incremental. And every tiny little bit that you can chip away at the patriarchy, <laughs> whatever right. it may be, the better. And it takes- it The takes, white patriarchy. <laughs> yes. And it takes a lot of us from all angles at the same time. So yeah. everybody is as important as everybody else. And everybody living and feeling um, safe to live as themselves all the time is what matters. And mm-hmm. so as long as everybody's doing that and we support everybody doing that, that is slowly how we change this damn stupid. <laughs> I don't know what is happening. Girl, how are you? No idea, Girl, Dumpster fire. We're all lost. Yeah, I'm sorry I'm giving you eight-minute answers to every question. No, 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 no. it's great. I haven't been out of my house gonna, in a long time or seen we're people. We're going to cut these up into 10-second sound bites anyway. <laughs> I love it. I'm just Good luck. <laughs> no, but that's amazing that you're using your voice for good. And I've seen on your social media, you've been very vocal about the Black Lives Matter movement, which is great. And so how do allies like keep the fire going, keep fighting? Because, you know, it's lost a little bit of its fizz. And so, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, during the social, I mean, during the first week of June, it was sort of a me as a white person like a reprogramming of everything I knew. And Mm -hmm. the old expression of like, I don't see color. I don't do, like the foundation in which I was brought up of what America is um, needed to be completely dug up, thrown out and rebuilt. And obviously that is not going to be done in a week. It's not going to be done in a month and it's not going to be done in 10 years. This is something that, is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years old Mm -hmm. and luckily there are so many like the black community was it felt like from my perspective was waiting has been waiting for the rest of us to catch the fuck up to get there Mm -hmm. and it was like as soon as i don't know maybe it's because everybody's sitting at home everybody is looking to be a part of something that helps the greater good because we feel so helpless during this time Mm -hmm. it was sort of um, these horrible events were almost like the perfect storm of you have an entire group of marginalized people who have are the backbone and the foundation of this country who have the resources, who have the ability, who have the knowledge to lead, to lead the rest of us. And it's not anybody's responsibility to do that. Like mm-hmm. we should all know better. But it was almost like somebody flipped a switch and it was like, I wasn't, it was the only time I didn't feel guilty being on social media 24 seven because I was constantly 
learning. My brain was fried by the end of the day. I was upset. I was angry. I was reaching out to all my friends, black, white, whatever. And we were all discussing this all the time. Mm-hmm. And Amber Riley was super, super helpful during all of that. And seeing her like blossom into the activist, it was like, again, it felt like people were ready for this to happen. Yeah. And unfortunately, when you're not like, when like white straight men have been in control of everything for forever. And Mm -hmm. when you have a marginalized group who needs to be heard, they can't, I mean, I don't need to preach to (laughs) like, if you're not in power, then you can't, take the power in a sense where like you almost need everybody on all levels to be open to this mm-hmm. which is feels super counterintuitive and counterproductive and anyway long story short i it's just i've followed incredible people um and so many friends of mine i have felt proud of like it was almost like this, like, are you passing this test, friends? Like, are you going to post for a day or post for two days and then not say anything about this again? Right. Where it was nice to just, it was, it restored my faith in humanity in a different way of like, I am, you guys are posting the links I need to be following. You're posting the links to the, the black authors and leaders that I need to be reading up on. And I'm hoping, um, that the work is being done behind the scenes where it's like being loud, being in the streets is super, super, super important. And then if we're not posting about it every day, then what are you doing every day to make a positive change within this system? Right. It's like, are you reading up on it? Cool. I don't need you to be superficial about it and post that you're reading up on it. I want you to read up on it. Right. And then in your local community, then do something about it. And I feel like, to an extent that's been happening and it's a reprogramming. It is, it's a shift in focus. It's a shift in how you use or view social media if you have it. And it's a shift in how you interact. I mean, I don't know how you can go about this world and interact with anybody on a daily basis and not have this be in the very front of your brain. And I hope that people, it's hard, it's hard work, but like for people who look like me, we've been doing this, for a very short time. And we have no excuse not to break our back trying to catch up to everybody else. Yeah. yeah. No, that's beautiful. And thank you for fighting the good fight. And we're just gonna keep on doing this together. Teamwork. Yeah. Teamwork makes <laughs> the dream work. <laughs> so before we let you go, um, what's next for you? I know this quarantine is, you know, kind of stifling everybody, but you know, I know you come out with some some songs and everything. Like what's what's coming up for you? What are you working on? Um, so a couple friends and I have been working on this children's show that we've been developing using sort of all the things we know of music, um, and TV and putting it all together to try to make a children's educational show based off of music that kids and parents will actually like, Mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know, baby shark. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i mean like no shade anybody wishes they could have a hit like baby shark right um so that that's really i've been spending every day 
working on that and it will start by like we're putting out a, a christmas ep of okay. these so it's sort of like alvin and the chipmunks meets i don't like ryan's toy review i don't oh <laughs> that's so fun <laughs> putting together some teddy bears who sing and we'll right. teach you some things wow. with some good harmonies and some dope dance moves and i don't know it's and something it, right tiktok channel exactly exactly <laughs> That's I need awesome. to get off TikTok. I I won't go on. I I can't. I, can't, I don't need another app on my phone. Okay. Yeah, that's. I fought it too. I fought it until like a month ago, and because there's fuck all else to do, I did right. it. That's so true. <laughs> you can, ran out of everything else to do. I can sit there and scroll for hours. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I've bad. learned things. I've learned like the different communities of TikTok. It's mm, like right. there's the whole like white kids dancing without any social distancing that I'm not about. Yeah, right. Like, mm -hmm. That can't dance. That I don't understand. But so my dog is trying to eat a fly. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sophie, come over here. Um, anyway, but <laughs> that's really what I've been working on. And as soon as we can start like working again and acting again, um, then that's what I would like to be doing. But it's been really weird. It's a whole trying to figure out how to make that work. Sorry, my dog is like in the microphone. I hope <laughs> she's auditioning for your Christmas EP. Yeah, <laughs> she's not hired. She's not. <laughs> well, thank you, Kevin. This has been like just a wonderful, inspiring conversation. Yes, and thank you so much. no, thank you guys. Thank you for doing this wonderful show, and you guys have wonderful guests and talk about the not so easy conversations, but you make it easy. Yeah. Well, we're oh, easy. Yeah. My number is nine. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. <laughs> if I had a nickel. Call me. Yeah, yeah. Nine, well, seven, two. Anytime. We'll get on that. Yeah. If no, you need any extra great. dancing bears, Adam's available. Adam's available. <laughs> as a bear. I can always lend my voice as well. So. Yeah, whatever, you need, yes. so whatever you need, we'll do for you. Great. Great. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Kevin. Of course. Find you on all social medias. I mean, just search my name, Kevin McHale. <laughs> I can't, Google me, You're like, I'm kind of famous. No, no, it's just I can't get my actual name on Twitter. I've given up. Really? Uh, yeah, it's because there's some asshole <laughs> I know. who has the same name who logs on maybe once a year. I know. And um, therefore, I can't get it. Yeah. I can't even purchase my website domain. Really? Because someone back in college, a long time ago, <laughs> bought it because they knew I was going to be somebody. And I still Right. That was, exactly yeah, that was exactly what, was. what I think yeah. happened. It was, it was an fun. investment. Spoiler alert, right. it was me. I ruined his life. <laughs> 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 Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Kevin. Of Thank course. You. Thank you, guys. Well, now oh, we can't wait to see you in LA at some point. We'll yeah. be there once all this is over. Hopefully. Yes, please. Yeah. Oh, yes. Like, let's just go have a, a whatever. Yeah. Right. yeah. Like anything. Get the hell out of the house. Anything. Let's just yes. walk outside. Yeah. <laughs> Continue to be safe. Yes. You too. Right. See you on socials. Bye, guys. Hello and welcome to the stage, editor in chief of the AV Club, Patrick Gomez. Hello, Patrick. How are y'all? Good. How are you? Good and good. You know, we're having a little bit of a heat wave in LA, so uh, it's nothing compared to what other people have to deal with. So I will, 
I will not talk too much about it, but it certainly is, is not great when you don't have uh, good air conditioning. Yeah. Um, well, do you have central air? No. So oh, we have a little window unit, and so it's in the bedroom. So a lot of bedroom time, for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> do you have a pool, at least, that you can get to? or? Yeah, we have a pool. The problem with the pool is that it gets sunlight for about three minutes a day. Um, so that's not great. Uh, yeah. Well, we have um, a bathtub <laughs> and, and the Hudson and, and the, the Hudson, Hudson River <laughs> and the Hudson and the Hudson, but that's it. So, Patrick, I want to ask you first because I am so sad about E News being no more. How do you how do you feel like that? Did you take the news as hard as I did? Um, maybe not as hard, but it's, it's <laughs> weird. It, it's it, it's a very weird um, thing to happen. I mean, obviously, they'd made a lot of changes over the years um, and uh, where it was filmed, and they'd really tried to work around their talent's schedules. And so I thought it was going to be around for a while because, you know, they, they were going through a lot of changes to, to make things work. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I, obviously part of the pandemic is, is probably a little bit of a factor there, but... Uh, you know, it's also something that we've seen 9,000 times. Could, it could pop up next week with, like, a totally different cast, and it could have been contract negotiations. Like, who knows? Right. Oh, True. do you think that's going to happen? True. I mean, you know, you look at things, you look at things like, uh, like American Idol or The Soup. Like, they, they find ways to bring these shows back, and, and a lot of times, it's sometimes that the talent gets too expensive, or even the behind-the-scenes talent. And, and, you know, it's a horrible thing, but... Um, Sometimes they're able to kind of revamp stuff under a different name or slightly different producers and do it for way cheaper just because they kind of bring everyone at an entry level. Uh, it, it's a horrible, horrible practice, but it certainly happens. I'm not saying that's 100% what's going to happen here, but it's, it's possible. It's also just part of me wanting E-News to still exist. As, as right, right. So you took it hard. <laughs> <laughs> but if, so it, if it came back, though, is there some talent that you think should be one of the new hosts? I don't know. I mean... He has done a really good job in recent years. Um, uh, like I love Nina on on Nightly Pop, and and they they have a lot of other shows. And I think that that's the other thing too, where it's it's kind of it's diluted a little bit. Where like E News used to be the thing, and then the rest was all like reruns or like um, syndicated shows and all this kind of stuff. And now they've got so many different kind of programs where it's it's people kind of talking about what's going on in entertainment. Mm-hmm. That uh, that you know, not to say that we don't need E News because I want it. But uh, it's certainly, it's not the only place we were discussing the latest celebrity gossip and, and happenings on, on E. Okay. Yeah. Right. Do you feel like E! News is going to go more in the direction of having original programming and shows? Because obviously, like you said, there's reruns, Sex in the City, and, you know, different things like that. But do you feel that it's going to go in a more like, oh, they're going to start creating original shows and television and films and stuff on that channel? I mean, again, I think the answer would be completely different if we were talking about a different time. Um, but right now, I think you're going to see a lot of, uh, you know, they, they found ways to do all these new shows or, or like Nightly Pop and, and uh, all that kind of stuff at home. Mm-hmm. So I think you're going to see a lot of that. You're going to see a lot of like, celebrities watching TV and talking about it and um, non-celebrities sitting at home watching TV and talking about it. Uh, although it'll be super interesting to see what happens uh, right now, I think as much as we haven't been able to go to the movies and see these big blockbusters that are either getting delayed or moving to on demand, um, TV for the most part has still been able to put out content uh, at, on a semi-regular basis. 
that's going to change. And, and, you know, they, they're running out of stuff that they had in the bank and, uh, you know, they're trying to get back into production, but even then it's going to be a lot slower than they used to uh, be. Right. So I'll be interested to see. I mean, you look at the CW just released their schedule for fall and it doesn't have Riverdale. It doesn't have a lot of the shows that you would normally expect um, to be there just because they're not anticipating it be ready in time. Um, do you think like real quick on that, so I feel like it's interesting because soap operas have been around for a very long time and they were the first thing to go back into production. Do you think that a lot of uh, nighttime shows and primetime procedurals are gonna take their example from soap operas that are all back and you know they're practicing social distancing but using the cameras to trick the angles? Like, do you think that that's gonna help? Yeah, I mean, you know, looking to those kind of tricks is definitely helpful. I think you look at, um, uh, things like one day at a time doing that animated episode um, that yeah. they did. Like, I, I think you're going to have to get creative and you're maybe going to see a lot of like specials before you see like full seasons coming back because I think they'll be testing the waters. You know, yeah. I think of like, I think of shows, you know, you can't really take as many risks with a newer show, but you look at something like Grey's Anatomy that's on season 900 and, <laughs> um, and you know, they've done episodes uh, in the recent seasons where there was no sound for half of them. Yeah, you know, yeah. they do really experimental, they do really experimental stuff. And so mm -hmm. I was thinking like, that's a great show to try and come back and do it, do an experiment because they could do just a surgery room. So everyone's wearing masks. It really could exist like they, they, where there's only three or four people and you could do a whole season that's almost like little vignettes with like one character uh, or two characters doing a surgery and having a conversation. And people yeah. would watch it because that's crazy. Mm -hmm. Of course, you can't do that for a show that's either brand new or, or maybe only been on a season or two. But but with a show like like Grey's, you could do that. So call me Shonda. I got ideas. Right. I was yeah. about to say, you need to. You just wrote the whole season shit. of Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be interesting yeah. seeing how all these shows are going to move forward. Um, we've been watching P Valley. Mm -hmm. Yes. I don't know if you've seen that. It's I've seen a little bit of it. I haven't seen all of it. Um, uh, you know, we get to, we, I'm very fortunate in my job that we get to see stuff a little bit ahead of time. Um, and so oh, the, yeah. the bad part about that is that by the time shows are actually airing, I watched like a couple episodes uh, that they sent me and I haven't seen anything since. And then I don't even know that it's actually airing like right now. I'm like, right. oh yeah, that thing I watched two months ago, that's actually on right now. Um, so I need, I need to, to get on that though, because I've heard great, great things. Oh yeah, yeah no, Valley is so good. Fun. It's very fun, and it shows like this tripper world, and then they have the gay storyline. Like it's, it's it'll, fun. it'll be interesting though. You know, thinking about what you just said for shows like P Valley, who've been renewed for their second season, to come back because you're in a strip club. I don't know how they're going to social distance that. Right. Like they're, right. they're gonna, you know, there might be a way for them to shoot, use recycled footage of the audience and then oh, just have the yeah. one stripper on there. You know what? We should go work in TV. I know. Yeah, like, you're you're with all these ideas. ideas. Patrick, I'm, I'm with it. Done. Done. Sign the contract. So how do you feel about the Emmy nominations? Are there any, like, surprises? Are there any snubs that you thought? Um, well, I'm a super fan of Schitt's Creek. So it's... So I'm so happy to see them um, get celebrated with like 14, I think, nominations, which yeah. is insane once, once you take, a, take into account the behind the scenes um, uh, uh, nominations. So that's fantastic. Um, I was late to the, I, I knew it was great, but like I just hadn't gotten a chance to catch up on it, but recently binged all of Succession. Um, so very happy to see oh, um, those, those stars. Um, and I was so happy because the, the actress who plays um, the, the mom, um, the, like the the main three kids mom 
we see her for a, a little bit when they go uh, to the UK on Succession. She was nominated for that and for her role on Killing Eve. Um, so she's right. killing it. But she's so, so great. So I was really happy to see her there. Um, there there's obviously always some people that I feel like are, are kind of left behind a little bit. But for the most part, I was impressed with how diverse this list is compared to other lists. Obviously, there's always room to go further. Um, you know, I was hoping for a little bit more attention to Pose other than just Billy Porter, but I will take right. that. Right. <laughs> I will take that. Um, but it's, it's, really, it's really great. We're going to actually have a whole um, podcast launching next week, uh, not, uh, not to shamelessly plug, but uh, called Push no, the Envelope. No, plug, plug, yeah, um, it's called Push the Envelope, uh, and it'll be myself, our TV editor, and our managing editor at the AV Club uh, discussing all things Emmy. So we'll be getting all into that kind of stuff. Um, but it'll be really interesting. You know, we're also going to be talking about like some of our favorite Emmy moments of the past because that live, that live show, quote unquote, is going to look uh, a lot different this year than any other. Um, so it'll be super, super interesting because half the time you're watching those for like the cutaway, the awkward cutaways, so the Chrissy Teigen reactions, and you're not going to get that as much uh, yeah. or at all with, with, you know, doing stuff remotely. So we'll yeah. see. Um, she's some pregnant of, again, right? She is she's pregnant. pregnant. Yes. Jesus. She just keeps popping them out. Yeah. So no drinking. So maybe, she, maybe we wouldn't get as many fantastic reactions, but she's always a good time regardless. Yeah. yeah, she's, she's so she's funny. The best. <laughs> yeah, so you brought up Billy Porter. Did you happen to see him um, close out the Democratic National Convention? I did. I did. Um, it was. It was. That was. That was a choice. Um, I think he's fabulous. <laughs> I agree. Choices. Choices. Yeah, choices. Uh, he's fabulous. I love him, and I love how political he is. I actually caught his interview afterward um, on MSNBC. Um, and he was uh, speaking about how he's really been political all his life because, of course. Um, he came. Uh, he came up. Uh, you know, the generation right after the major civil rights movement. And by the time he was coming of age, it was really the gay rights movement and and really trying to fight uh, through the AIDS epidemic and representation and all of that. So he really feels like he's been political his entire life. And and so I'm so glad that he was able to be a part of that. Um, but man, that was like that was, those were some looks, and that was that was some. Uh, uh, that was some fashion. Um, it was. It was also like such a such a change. I think that's what it is. Like it had that been part of like the RuPaul's Drag Race finale or something, it would have been like yes, that look like working. Um, it was just. It was a little jarring to go like from like this like very fantastic speech with very like somber speech from Michelle to all of a sudden just like Vogue, Vogue <laughs> dancing. Right. Especially when like Biden's whole campaign right now is trying to capture the moderate votes that are maybe not so left-wing right like, i don't i don't know do you if, think that uh, you know something that Braden was said earlier when we were talking about do you think that maybe that is the reason why the other cast members of pose have not been recognized for their work because i feel like billy is always out there which is amazing and i i, I love everything that he does i love his fashion choices and everything but do you feel like because he puts himself out there more than pretty much any of the rest of the cast, that's part of the reason that they don't get the recognition that they deserve. Because a lot of people say, MJ, and I agree, she carries that show on her back. And you've seen her get better and better each year. Mm -hmm. You know, they had the amazing episode in season two with Candy's death that resonated with a lot of people. So do you think that maybe more of the cast needs to be out there more? Like, what do you think the reasoning is that only he gets recognized? Yeah, I mean, you look at it, I mean, it's not just Pose. I think that that's a, that's a really good example, just because, yeah. um, you know, 
it, it's it's take it, Billy is 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 a m minority in many ways, um, but you know he he is uh, cisgendered in in you know there's so many actors on that show uh, using that term uh, uh, unisex um, who uh, who deserve recognition and and would give us opportunities to to um, see some people recognize that right. you know in ways that we have not before um, and that's that would be super important but at the same time you know you see this on other shows where the biggest name is the one that gets recognized i would look to season one of killing eve like i'm so 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 glad jody comer got recognized for the follow for the seasons two and three but season one it was it was sandra oh like sandra oh was who got nominated that was who everybody you know was pushing forward even schitt's creek you look like with the first season when that show first got recognized it was recognized for Catherine O'Hara, like that was, that was the name being put forward and, and, um, you know, so that's, it's almost like that that's gotta be the first step. Like we have to take the first step and you gotta get the most recognizable name in there. I would have hoped, you know, so it didn't surprise me that Billy was the, was front and center at the beginning, but I would have hoped by now we could have, we could evolve so that other people on the show could be recognized. Again, nothing against Billy. He deserves that recognition. It's not taking anything away from him. I just wish we could also elevate some other people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I speaking of recognition, I'm loving the recognition Meg the Stallion is getting right now yeah. <laughs> with what <clears throat> her and Cardi her and Cardi debuting at number one on the top 100. That's mm, right, making history. Yeah, making history. Well, you know what's so funny about that is um, when you look it up on YouTube, it defaults to giving you the edited version. Yeah. Right. So I was like, I was like, wait, <laughs> the song title. Like I was trying to figure out how the song title like fit in and all this stuff because like it, it's not in there anywhere and I was like what and then I realized what was going on and that like YouTube thought I was a five-year-old which good <laughs> like maybe that should be the default fine. <laughs> and maybe sometimes I act like one um but it, it took a moment to get there but I mean that that video is so funny um with like all the cameos uh and and outfits I mean there are some great reaction videos <laughs> to, to people watching that if you have not seen <laughs> yeah. it the looks. I feel like Cardi's uh, stylist has never done her wrong. Like, right. Everything yeah. she wears, every look, every gala is a slay. It's just a slay. Yeah. yeah. There's never a moment where I'm like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a little bit. I mean, you know, not that, not that, you know, Gaga hasn't had some moments that it's like what, but it's a little Gaga esque in the sense that like she can't do wrong because even when she goes crazy and over the top, it's like that's just Cardi. Like yeah, right. that's her like, thing. She's forgiven for like things that other people would wear that you'd be like, what is that? You're just like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. She can pull a look. And I love how she does all that, but then she's like very vocal about like her political views. You know, she just interviewed with, with Biden. Joe Biden. Yeah. Biden. Like that was amazing. And, you know, she inspires so many young people and they listen to her. So I'm so glad that she's like bringing awareness and talking to Joe Biden and hopefully getting young people to vote. Did you catch that? Yeah, well, I think what I think is so great about that is is just what you said. It, it's about getting young people to vote, and 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 you know her following. More people will probably have seen that than than most of the the convention. Um, right. Even, even, you know, I mean, you're maybe going to see a snippet of Michelle and maybe a snippet of Bernie, and obviously people will see snippets of Biden. But by far, I think more people are are going to have seen this uh, this interview with Cardi. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Word. Yeah. Um, okay, so can we get a little more political for a second? <laughs> sure, bring it um, on. Okay. So um, how do you feel about the, the situation that's going on with the Postal Service? Um, here in New York, we've experienced not a lot, but some of literally 
um, officers like pulling up the blue boxes mm -hmm. where you would put in your mail-in ballots and seeing those videos of them just like in essentially the garbage truck um, and just taken off to I don't know Rikers Island or something. Ooh, no <laughs> um, Never so, so what's your perspective against like mail-in voting, in-person voting, especially in these times? Yeah, well, you know, I think Michelle Obama said said it the way it needed to be said, which is, you know, for better or worse, the the safest the the safest in in not health wise, but safest way to vote in terms of making sure it counts is to show up in person. And unfortunately, I know that's not going to be a, a, a possibility for so many people. And that's why mail in voting is so important. Um, and there's a lot of I mean, even people that aren't buying into the conspiracy theories, which they are conspiracy theories about, um, you know, voter fraud and all this stuff, you look at the statistics, like, and by by nonpartisan groups, you look at the statistics and it is such a small fraction of, of voter fraud that has occurred over the last two decades, even, you know, mm -hmm. taking into all that account, it's so small. So, but even if you don't buy into the, uh, into the uh, conspiracy theories, there's still a lot of misinformation out there. Like, even people that want to vote by mail, they're like, oh, but I heard that like this might happen or that might happen or like, can I go turn it in in person? And I think the, the main thing that we need to focus on right now is just information. Um, yeah, and yeah. you know, like you can, you can ask for a, a mail cause this is what I do. I've voted by, I've quote unquote voted by mail for years, mm -hmm. but I still like going in and, and like the experience of like, at least going to the polling place. California, at least in California, at least they send you the sticker anyway, but I still like going in. Um, and, and it also makes you feel really important. Like if you want to feel like a VIP, um, uh, at least here in California, um, you can get it mailed to you and then take it in and drop it off at any polling place. Um, and that just makes you feel like such a baller because you like show up and there's people lined up around the block and that's awful, but you just like walk right in and drop it off and like, you're like, bye. bye, -bye. It's, how, it's honestly how we felt at the club for years, walking to the front. I love that. Right? Right? The same feeling, I agree. Um, so that's there. Uh, unfortunately, that's not the case in every location. Like I know yeah. my mom, um, my mom is like super concerned. Um, luckily she's uh, now over 65. So she's able to vote by mail in Texas and doesn't have to go stand in line, but Texas has a the rules are very strict in terms yeah. of, of that but luckily 65 and over automatically you can vote by mail but she still wants to go turn it in too because she's concerned about you know these you know the mail mail gets lost even on good times like now that they're actively trying to lose mail like who right. knows? Right. um so she had to look up and there's only one location she lives in houston which is you know like in the top five cities population wise in the country top four if you considering what you you know how technically you get and um, she, there's only one location in her general area um, to go turn in a ballot. Um, so that place is gonna be just crazy um, on, on election day. But, you know, but, uh, vote early, don't vote often, but, but vote early. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, watching CNN, I think it was yesterday, and they said 66, I think these are the right stats, 66% of Trump supporters are wanting to go vote in person and 22% of Biden supporters do not want to vote in person, which makes me a little bit scared as a Biden supporter. What does that really mean? And what happens if you cannot vote by mail wherever your location is? Yeah, I mean, the, the main thing is gonna be, uh, you know, again, I go back to, to Michelle Obama and uh, it's, it's pack your mask, pack your comfortable shoes and pack a meal or two because, you know, they, they might, 
you know, people that want to stop others from voting are going to make it as hard as possible. And unfortunately, yeah, right. you know, we saw that we saw that, um, you know, in in primaries, and we saw that in in the um, 2018, uh, 20, um, uh, yeah, 18 elections, you know, there's going to be people, unfortunately, standing in line for, you know, seven hours, and that's awful. Mm-hmm. Um, and all we got to do is, is, you know, you can't control everyone else around you, but you can control the fact that you're wearing a mask, that you have the, uh, take an umbrella, either for rain or for sun, take food, um, take sunscreen, take a raincoat, take take maybe a a a, a, a box of wine <laughs> who knows but right but it really is it it becomes uh it becomes just a, a game of like i'm gonna do it hell or high water and we've, we've got to get out there we've got to get the vote the good the good thing is that um i think you know, the passion is there. And I think that there's perhaps a passion of people that want to vote for, um, I don't even want to say his name, the other candidate. <laughs> um, right. Uh, who no, wants to vote for him that, that maybe, that are, that are passionate about it, that are passionate about it, but maybe aren't going to risk versus I think a lot of people that are going to vote for Biden are, are going to be like, right. you know what, I am going to go stand there for seven hours and make sure that I'm socially distant, but that I'm not, uh, but that I'm here. Well, hopefully, I think people learned their lesson in 2016 when they decided to stay home and look what happened. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> happened. I mean, there's so many distractions going on right now, you know, from the USPS, um, you know, I've heard about in California and obviously seeing it here in New York about the homeless population and mental illness. Do you think that there's a lot of distractions around, particularly to stop and not encourage people to vote? Oh, I mean, there, the, the thing is, is that there always has been. It's just mm-hmm. 10 times worse because no, you've had candidates in the past um, who have uh, prescribed to at least a certain amount of decorum. And yeah. we've seen, you know, it, it's, it's crazy how much, how many norms we've seen thrown out the window in the last um, three and a half years that we, that we don't even think about it anymore. Like the, the Obama administration has been, like people from the, former Obama administration have been very vocal about how they wouldn't even want him to hold an iPad in a video because they didn't want that to seem as though he was supporting Apple over other electronic products. Mm-hmm. And now you have somebody that's intentionally holding up Goya beans. My pillow. Uh, or, <laughs> yeah, like, like, there's just so many things that, we, that we're just like, oh, that's just him. But it's, it's like, we can't, that can't become the new normal. Like we have, there's so much right now that can't become the new normal. And, and that's where we have to keep the eye on the prize is it's like, you know, as as people said at the convention, there's no perfect candidate, but we clearly know uh, like where we can't be. Like like the right. you know we all had our issues with Bush. We all had our issues with both Bushes. We've all had our issues with right. presidents over the past. Um, and and that's Democrat and Republican. Like people have had scandals. People have had um, you know bad policies. But right. uh, but at the end of the day, they had they had decorum and they knew when they'd done wrong and they didn't and they didn't. Once they, at least once they were caught, they stopped. That's not happening here. Right. Oh, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. Yeah. yeah. So to switch over, I want to talk about why we love. You know, before we let you go, yeah. You a video series in June. Um, you know, bringing love back into the conversation. We've talked about so much horribleness that's going on. In the world. <laughs> so talk to us about why we love and why that was important for you guys to do. Yeah, sure. So, um, uh, you know, as as a member of the LGBTQ community, of course, it's I always am eager to celebrate uh, Pride Month, uh, particularly this year. Um, 
of course, this year, uh, you know, Pride Month was was rightfully um, rightfully uh, kind of pushed in a direction to celebrate um, and uplift Black voices as it as it should have been. Um, and uh, but as part of Pride celebration, um, we launched a series at the AV Club called Why We Love, um, and it really it, it kind of combines a lot of uh, my favorite uh, types of shows. Um, I, I have to give total credit um, to the initial idea uh, to uh, our, one of our producers, Cameron Sheets. Um, just he, he is, he is uh, identifies as gay and he um, has always loved James Bond. And my husband has always loved James Bond. And he kind of just started saying, I, I've started to see more and more LGBTQ people come out as Bond fans and like say that they've been mm -hmm. super into Bond and not just that they're fans because obviously anybody of any orientation could be fans, but feeling like it had something to do with their, with their queer identity. Yeah. And he yeah. was like, I want to explore that. And I was like, let's do that. Let's take it, let's blow it up. Um, so we did an, an episode that uh, focuses on, on um, spies and superheroes. We did an episode that focuses on musicals, an episode that focuses on like, fantasy like disney everything from disney to buffy to horror movies um yes. and another one that does divas and dames so like why we love our pop divas and why we love all the all the like you know angela lansbury's and julie andrews of the world <laughs> yeah. um and it's a little bit um i love i love the from the vh1 you know if you remember those shows yeah um, it's, it's a little bit of those where um we have celebrities kind of like sharing their own stories about why they love these things but we also spoke to academics and um and experts uh, about those uh, different topics and really dove into the like the psychology of like why is this something we identify with like why do we love musicals why do we love um horror movies um and looking at that particularly through queer lens and this series is going to continue to be not about the queer lens and just talk about you know why we as americans love um you know why we love shows like jackass or wipeout or uh yeah. <laughs> why do we love seeing people fall down why do we, um, why do we, why is the Jaws theme so scary to us? Like all this kind of stuff. We really want to dive into why we love so many different things, but I was so happy we got to kick it off with four episodes that were all about um, the queer, the queer lens. That's so amazing. That's amazing. So Patrick, where can our listeners find why we love? Sure. Um, so why we love, you can find uh, at avclub.com. Um, uh, we, we are, um, on Facebook and Twitter and all of that. And you'll find those there. It's also on YouTube. So if you just want to search AV Club Why We Love on YouTube, you'll find the videos there as well. Um, uh, you can find me on social at Patrick Gomez LA um, and I'll put those up there. You'll also find that in my feed somewhere way down there. So maybe I'll put them up, maybe I'll put them up uh, more recently just so you can find them. Uh, but those, those are on there. I I'm so, so proud of that series. Thank you guys for asking about it. <laughs> um, yeah. but, um, no, I'm uh, so impressed. I first of all, the Buffy and Horror series, mm -hmm. I was in it. I was like, get it. Cause that's like, so you know, <laughs> we think about it as, you know, especially queer people. It's like, those are like iconic for us. Mm -hmm. And you know, we love that. So I love that you guys are doing that and I wish you the best luck. I can't wait for it to continue. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you guys so much. This has been so much fun. Well, yeah. Thank you, Patrick. Yeah, thank you for taking the time. Of course, of course. Anytime, and guys. Anytime. Be safe out there in LA. Yes. Thank you. Uh, cool. <laughs> go, make, go make your brown bag lunches and get out there and vote. Oh, yes. Yes, <laughs> yes ma'am. All right. We'll see you on social. All right. All right. Thank you, Patrick. Bye. 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 Bye
guys. That was great. That was so much fun. Like uh, a cute little Kiki. We felt. Like, I felt like we had known them for all our lives. They're both yeah. from Texas, so we probably met them once. Yeah. That was so cool. He dropped that whole Texas. Texas thing, and I was I like, oh, I, I meant Texas. to ask. Sorry, but we're just the best. We are. <laughs> I mean, Texas could do some we're work. We're the worst but, because well, we're so No, we, actually, we are the worst. <laughs> we are the worst. We have so much pride for nothing. Bills, baby. Bills, baby. I love it. I hate us. Adam, we have prepared a little something for you to take us out. Mm -hmm. We got the Catskills Choir with us. (laughs) (laughs) Starring Michael, the Airbnb owner. I I can't do the sound effects, and it's just not. Oh, my phone sucks. Anyway, so. Boom, 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 boom. (laughs) (laughs) And a one, a two. Oh, what? <laughs> Sebastian. No. Ariel. No, ready. On the reel. Happy birthday to ya. Happy birthday to ya. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to ya. Happy birthday to ya. Happy birthday. Pride the podcast again, <laughs> and we'll see you next week. Bye. When it won't be Adam's birthday. I can't wait. Thank oh, God. Bye. Bye. A mess. <laughs> oh, also, if you want to slide slide some nudes into my DMs, it's at boxwinepoppy. Oh, it's on their Venmo, too. Yeah, and my Venmo is at <laughs> Adam A. Rios. Yes, he is. No. Yeah. Yeah. And then mine is, um, not my Venmo, but my Instagram is I am Darrell Anthony. You can also find me on Twitter, Darrell Anthony, where my Twitter, unlike Adam's, is safe for work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah, me, Ashley. You can find me at Ashley Aaron M. Twitter, Instagram, whatever. And if you want to learn how to be a true Christian, <laughs> not the true can, one, the truest, uh-huh. you can follow me at Mr. Braden Bradley on Instagram and Twitter, where Russia's not involved, but maybe Instagram. But anyway, bye. See y'all later. Bye.